Good morning. Isn't it wonderful to see a family praising God like that? I mean, it just says it all right there. I'm a little nervous this morning. Uh, what I had planned to speak on, I can't speak all of it because my oldest brother's here now, so he, uh, he will kind of set y'all straight on that, but thank y'all for coming. Um, a little bit about how this happened, it, you know, I guess you could say they're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel here, uh, but a couple of weeks ago, I had approached Brother John, and uh, I wanted him to teach my Sunday school because uh, my normal subs were not going to be there, so... I asked him, I said, Brother John, would you be available to teach my Sunday school class Sunday? And uh, he said, yeah, yeah. He said, uh, I got something to ask you. I said, okay. Uh, he said, I need somebody to preach for me July 24th. I said, I don't know if that's a tr- fair trade or not. You go back and check that. But uh, uh, it's, been a, uh, it's been a blessing so far. And uh, I wasn't nervous until I got up here. Uh, but I'm a little nervous now. But It's such a wonderful thing to be able to get up here and, and speak to you about uh, what God has done in my life. And that's basically the best way I know uh, to tell you um, what God has for your life uh, is just to explain to you where he's done in mine. Um, because um, God knows us, uh, but... He wants us to know Him. And I didn't, I didn't make that up. That, that, I was at uh, Branson, Missouri last weekend. That's where we were. The reason I couldn't be here. And we went and seen the Moses film, uh, the Moses play at uh, Branson. Has anybody seen that? I encourage you, if you hadn't seen it, to go see it because it's, uh, it's amazing. Um, it, it just, it's great to see the Bible come to life and to see the things that happen. Uh, but that was one of the... the things of the presentation uh, that God knows us and he wants us to know him and that just stuck with me uh, all through last week as I was preparing as uh, I was getting ready to what to say and uh, you know I've made up several notes and things and I probably will not follow any of them uh, but uh, I did make some notes up but that's just been at the forefront of of my mind ever since we watched that is how true is that that God does know us. He knows our heart. He knows exactly who we are and who he wants us to be. Um, and I think about, as a young man, um, I talked to Jay just a minute ago before service started. <clears throat> as a young man, as a teenager, I did a, uh, we had a youth Sunday uh, at our church, at Airport Baptist Church, when I was uh, probably around 14, 15, somewhere in that neighborhood. And same thing happened then. Nobody wanted to preach then, so I got the call. Uh, but uh, no, we, we, as I was preaching, as I was giving the sermon, as I was talking, um, Brother Jay Canterbury sat on the front row, much like where Brother David's sitting. Uh, and when I would get off track of my sermon, when, when I would kind of get down the road where I really was ad-libbing instead of sticking to what I uh, should have stayed with, Brother Jay was getting me back on track. He'd kind of shake his head when I'd get back on track and let me know I'm doing what I do. So I told him, Brother Jay a while ago, so you're going to keep me on track. If I get off track, you let me know. Um, but as a young man, uh, God had laid on my heart that he, you know, he wanted me to preach that Sunday. And I, I don't know uh, 
why that all came about uh, at that time. But I just felt a calling on my life, that God had called me to be something more. And I'm going to be honest with you, it scared me. It really scared me um, because um, as a young man, that wasn't really what I aspired to be, right? I mean, you know, that wasn't on the forefront of my mind at that time. Uh, I was just having fun. I was just getting into almost being able to drive and, and, you know, all things were coming about. And serving the Lord just, just honestly was not on my list. And I ran from that. I ran. And I... As I was studying this week, I came across Luke 9.23. In Luke 9.23, it says, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That's what scared me so bad. I knew if I follow God, I've got to follow God. I can't do what I want to do, right? So at that time, I, I chose to just uh, kind of turn away and run and, and, and not follow what God had called me to do. And I know at that time, looking back, God wanted me to serve. Um, but I didn't. I, 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 I ran from it. And um, ended up a few years later, I uh, met this young lady and uh, we kind of fell in love and we got married in 1987. Um, we were uh, just having the time of our life. Uh, we were uh, church wasn't really a big part of our life at that time. Just to be honest, we were we were just enjoying uh, being together and, and doing things that in uh, going out to uh, uh, to the show and different things and and just enjoying life. Uh, and just church wasn't a big priority in our life. Some of you may understand where I'm coming from here. You may have been through that same part of your life where uh, you've been very dedicated. I I was saved when I was seven years old. Uh, Some people think that's young, but I'm going to tell you, I I remember it just like it was yesterday when God called me to that altar and he said, you're a sinner and you need me. And I surrendered to him. Um, And and I reflect back on several parts of my life when... Sometimes you feel like uh, you're not, you question things. But I can always go back to that time uh, when God uh, just touched my heart and, and made me realize that uh, I was a sinner. And even at seven years old, I knew that. Um, but just being saved is, uh, doesn't mean that we're following Christ, right? I mean, uh, we, we have that forgiveness. We have that mercy and that grace that He gives us. But our relationship may not be where it was. And that's where I was at this time of my life. We were married. We were having um, the time of our life, really. We, we, you, know, you know how it is when you're young. and At the time, you may not realize you're having such a good part of your life. But when you go back, you say, man, those were some good times, right? Because uh, you didn't have kids at that time. And, you know, things were you could kind of just pick up and go and do when you wanted. But then a few years later... We were blessed with a daughter. My whole life changed. My whole priorities changed. It was no longer just me and Patty. We had someone else that we were 
that was looking up to us. I had a big responsibility. We, um, we began to get back to church. You know, we knew it was important that, that our daughter grew up in church. But we really wasn't focused, you know. It really wasn't. It was just an every, um, it wasn't a priority. You know, when we'd go when we could. We'd go when, when um, things just kind of worked out right. Uh, and, and so about 1994, my father was diagnosed with lung cancer. And uh, he was diagnosed in April of that year, and then in July of that year, he passed away. Boy, I wish he was here today. Um, because it made a big impact on my life to know that he wasn't there anymore. I couldn't go to him and say, Dad, what would you do? What would you do if this was you, if this was your situation? Now, bear in mind, uh, as a teenager, I didn't want to hear all that. You know, I, I kind of just did my own thing, and we argued a lot, and, and uh, we didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things. It's funny how as you get older, you realize how right your dad was about a lot of things. And I grew up in a Christian home, and I thank God for that, um, that they raised me uh, to fear the Lord to love the Lord and to, to worship the Lord. Uh, we were at church almost every Sunday, every Wednesday. Uh, so I knew how Christians supposed to act, how they're supposed to do, how they're supposed to worship. Uh, but again, um, at this time of my life, it just wasn't a big priority. Um, Megan came along and uh, we, we, we started getting back to church and, and dad passed away and um, it really touched me and, and I realized I've got to make some different changes in my life. I've got to make God the priority again. And so we did. We started going, I mean, every Sunday, every Wednesday. Um, it, it was just a, a habit almost that we got into. And when we didn't do it... Um, we kind of missed things, you know. We kind of felt like we missed out on something. Some of you here may do the same thing. You know, it may be um, that's what you do. There's no question about it. Um, but even through all of that, we began to teach a Sunday school class uh, for preschool and doing some other things in the church and, and starting to serve. But there was something missing because when I leave... On Monday morning, things were not the same, you know? I mean, uh, when I was at church, uh, I opened my Bible when the preacher read from it. But during the week, it rarely got touched. Um, it stayed on the... A lot of times it stayed in the vehicle where I kept it. Or it may... Uh, we've got several Bibles around the house. I've got one by my bed, and it never would be touched throughout the whole week. But I thought, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to church. I'm doing a lot better than a lot of folks. A lot of folks only come on Easter and Christmas, so I'm way above everybody else that's doing that, right? Doesn't work that way, does it? So we go along, and of course, God blessed us with another child. And uh, now I've got two looking up for me, right? Uh, no pressure. Um, but I kept 
knowing that there was something missing in my life. I kept knowing that things wasn't, wasn't where they needed to be. Uh, as we got further along, and we're, we're all the way up to, I think it was 1999, Patty and I uh, have been married almost 13 years. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm telling you this because you out here may need to hear this, may need to know how Satan can use things in your life. I came up to a point in my life where I began to question, am I happy? Am I really getting all I should get? Um, I remember going and talking to my mom about it and telling her how I just didn't feel like I was happy. And she told me, sounds mighty selfish. I didn't, I didn't want to hear that at that time. I wanted her to say, you deserve to be happy, right? Because that's what the world tells us. The world tells us you're supposed to be happy. Do what makes you happy. The thing is, what makes us happy sometimes is not beneficial, as Paul tells us. All things are good, but not everything is good for supplication. So, I made some choices. I did some things that I'm very ashamed of. Um, I basically lost my family. Um, I started to question my salvation even. Because I had made choices and I made decisions that I knew at that time I even knew wasn't right. But I tried... See, Satan will take things and turn them around in your head. And he'll tell you, Oh, it's okay. You're just doing what you need to do to be happy, right? If anybody thinks out there that Satan's not powerful, you're wrong. He is powerful. Never try to take Satan on by yourself. You will lose. It's only through the power of God that we defeat Satan. Don't think you can do it on your own. Because that's what I was doing. I was Everything I was doing, I was making those decisions on my decisions. I can look back through my life and I can see the decisions I made when I tried to go out on my own and I can see how bad they turned out. But when I listen to God and I follow God's direction of my life, even though at the time they may not have been great decisions, God saw me through them, right? He, he, he directs us. I may not have thought they were good decisions, but I look back and I think, wow, God directed I found myself um, at a point in my life at this time where I didn't know how I was going to go on. I'd lost everything. I just felt like my whole world was crumbling. I didn't know where to turn. But you know, I'd been taught as a young boy where you turn when things are tough in life, right? And I fell on my knees and I cried out to God. I said, God, I've messed it all up. I've done what I thought I needed to do and I've completely destroyed everything. And I surrendered that night. I said, I, you know, I just give it all to you. I give you everything. I'm not joking. Five minutes after that prayer, my phone rang. Patty called me and uh, 
out of the blue. I don't know what made her do it. But anyway, I know what made her do it. But God brought us back together. Uh, we've been together ooh, 17 years from now. It was 17 years, right? So it's been a blessing, but we've had some, rock, uh, some hard times along the way, right? I'd love to tell you that from that point on, my whole life worked out and everything was perfect. Uh, it just, you know, we live in a faulty world, so it doesn't work that way. We still had trouble. We still had problems. But, you know, there was a difference there. I was leaning on someone else rather than on myself. Our marriage is stronger today than it's ever I am so lucky. Uh, I don't know if I think I've lost all my notes, but I'm sorry, but... One of the things that, as I was studying this, uh, another verse came to mind, and it's Jeremiah 20, uh, 29, 11. Most of you probably know it by heart. But it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Never more apparent was it to me after that time in my life that those words rang true. God already knew I was going through a rough time. You know, when I wrote that, oh, a judgment. And even then, God said, Look, I'm just through some stuff, but that's not what I want. I want you to prosper. I want you to uh, have a future and hope. And um, He gave me that hope that night. So. After that, after Patty and I reconciled and, and um, we were living life again and happy um, back in church um, every Sunday again, every Wednesday almost. Uh, I mean, we were doing the, the right thing. Come along uh, 2009, I started to... You know, I still wasn't serving like I thought. I wasn't serving God. I wasn't doing everything that I could do for God. So around 2009 was another milestone. God gave me a desire to ride a motorcycle. Y'all like that? I know. Okay. Uh, at least that was my, my thought. At the time, I had no idea. I, I look back and I say God gave me that desire uh, because... At the time, I never wanted to even ride a motorcycle. I, I would have told you you're crazy to get on two wheels. Uh, it was just, it wasn't happening for me. But at that time, I had such a desire. I uh, went to a friend of mine, and, and he, uh, he helped me uh, find the right motorcycle for me, a Harley. No, it wasn't a Harley. It wasn't it starting out. I, I bought a, a Kawasaki to start out, just so you know. But... Uh, I do ride harder now, but anyway, okay. Uh, but anyway, this desire—I didn't know where that desire came from because I didn't want—I don't want to have anything to do with it. But through this motorcycle, uh, I came involved with this crazy radical group out there called Christian Motorcyclists Association. Uh, it sounds funny to say that you could put Christian and motorcycle in the same uh, terms. 
I tell you all this because I want to tell you how God used something radical to show me how I can serve God. Because see, my thought was I was unworthy. I was way unworthy. I couldn't serve God because I had done messed up. And you know, by world standards, if you mess up, you mess up, right? You're done. Uh, you're fired. Get you out of here. But not with God. Because see, God, when, you, when I looked, saw that Moses film and I saw... He used Moses. Now, he, you know, I'm sure he could have used anybody, right? He could have picked somebody who was faithful and, and never messed up. Certainly didn't kill anyone, right? But why did he use Moses? For me. He took Moses who had murdered someone. And he, it did take some time for him to groom him. 40 years, right? Out in, part, in a whole different land. And nothing, you know, you know the story where he goes out, meets his, his wife at a well, and he fights off the the other folks and runs them off and you know the story uh, and God blesses him he's got a good family there he's, he's, he's doing well he's got a great father-in-law right he's pretty much set you know just when Moses is comfortable God's got another plan for him right he carries him out and he gets to see this burning bush and all that good stuff because uh, he's got a different plan for him. But what does Moses do? Does he say, oh, sure, God, I'll follow you. I'll do whatever you say. He's like, I don't, I'm not the guy. I'm not the one to do this. I can't speak. I can't do this. So, long story short, He finally gives up because God gives him someone to speak for him. And he goes on and he, and he goes and he leads the Israelites out of Egypt. And a pro, pretty prominent figure in the Bible, right? Moses was pretty one of the staples, a murderer. That for all accounts and purposes, we would have thrown away his society and said that he was no good, he couldn't be used. So... I look back at Moses and I'm like, hey, I ain't murdering anybody. I'm doing good, right? But you see, that's not where our, our scales are. We're not supposed to compare ourselves to other people. We compare ourselves to Christ. That's who we're supposed to walk from. But God took a motorcycle and that desire and He moved me into a ministry where I was like, Hey, I can't be used at my church I'm at. I can't be used uh, doing some of these other... But I can be used in a motorcycle ministry because these guys, they're just motorcyclists. They're bikers. They don't know nothing about God. I can go in there and I can kind of teach them some stuff because I've been in church all my life, right? Ooh, man, was I wrong. I've met some of the most faithful and knowledgeable people in the Bible. And you're thinking, bikers? I'm like, yeah. It's amazing what God will do when you surrender your life to Him. When you start studying this book, this Bible that God gave us, this instruction, it's amazing. You learn so much. 
But one of the things I have learned through the motorcycling community is love for your brother. Even in the secular world, even in the secular biking world, uh, even though you hear all the bad stuff about the different clubs and things, they love each other. Now, it's a false love. It's not based on the true love that a Savior gives us that we should do. But they have that, that mentality that they love one another, that they'll do anything for each other. I think there's somebody else in the Bible that talks about loving your neighbor. It's kind of like one of the most important things other than loving our God that we're supposed to do, right? So he used this ministry to show me that I can be used, that I can serve him. I have spoken to so many now uh, where before I had never shared my faith. Never. Before the Christian motorcyclists, I have never actively walked up to somebody and said, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior? I've done it more times than I can even ask or remember now. That's not a testament of me. That's a testament of God, of what He can do when you surrender your life to Him. When you stop saying no and start saying yes, Each of us has that power. Each of us has that power available to us if we just link to it, if we just allow Jesus to come into our heart, not just accept the fact that He died on the cross, but live for Him. Pick up that cross every day and live for Him. You know, whether you know it or not, you're a witness each day. Whether you're at work, whether you're at school, whether you're out on a Friday night, People are watching you. I never realized that so much until I got into the biking world. People watch you because they're looking, especially we wear a patch on our back that claims, that shows that we belong to Christ. We wear it everywhere we go. So people know who we profess to be. And you know what? They're looking to try to disclaim that. They're looking to say, oh, he's not what he says he is. So it, it reminds you every day when you go out and you've got that patch on there to live right. But each of you that claim to be a Christian have that same patch. Okay? You have that same people looking at you. Are you really a Christian? Are you really standing up to what the scrutiny is? Do they see you? Do they know that you are a child of God? Or do they just see you just like the rest of the world? It's a tall task, but it's a task that every one of us that have accepted Christ have accepted that, that task to be a disciple, to go out, to share with others. It doesn't have to be take a Bible and hit someone over the head. I've got a really big Bible. I was going to show you all that. Just so you know, I've got a pretty good-sized Bible because bikers' heads are harder than normal, so we use a bigger Bible. No. But each of us has a role to play when we accept Christ. And I just wonder, where, where is your relationship? Where, where are you at today? There's a story I use a lot when I'm speaking at events. 
and it's about Biker Bob. Biker Bob, he, uh, he rode bikes for a long time. He's been out in the biker world. And he realized that he needed to start doing things because, you know, he's getting on up in age and you never know when you may be taken out of this world. So he, start, he needed to start doing some good stuff to balance the bad stuff, right? That's the way it works, right? Anyway, so he started doing events. He started uh, raising money for different groups, charities, and he'd do toy runs where he'd go get toys and take the children at Christmas. Well, he was, he was doing good. One day, Biker Bob met his last day. He ended up in heaven and before a white throne. And uh, there, he, he, was, he could see through the area over there, and there was a big line of people, and he was waiting his turn. And he kept asking, he said, what, what are we doing? He said, well, this is Judgment Day. I said, Judgment Day? What's that? He said, well, this is when... You're judged on whether you're going to go to heaven or not. He said, oh, okay. Well, I've done a lot of good stuff. I'll be okay. He gets up there and stands before this figure. There's this book that he opens up. And he says, what's that? He said, this is a book of secret sin. He said, secret sin? What are you talking about? He said, these are your sins that you thought you were hiding from everybody else, that you thought only you knew about, but they're all listed right here because God knows our heart. God knows what we've done. And he's nervous. He's like, I know there's a big list there. And he says, there's another book. He said, what's that book? He said, that's a book of deeds. He said, okay. He said, well, I've got a lot of good deeds. I've done a lot of good things. He said, those got to outweigh the bad things that I did. Problem is, that's not the way it works. Because all fall short. So as he, he, he talks to this man, he says, well, what about it? Are my, my deeds good enough? He said, no, they're not. He said, well, what can I do? What can I do? He said, well, there's one chance left. One chance. He opens up this other book, and it's the book of life. He said, if your name is in this book, it doesn't matter what all that happened in this other stuff. It doesn't matter. If your name is in this book, it wipes clean everything else. That's all right. Well, would you look in there and see if my name is in there? He looks in that book. His name's not there. See, everything that we think that we're doing to get to heaven is never good enough. There's only one way. Jesus tells us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by Me. Today in our world, that's becoming more and more harder to get across to people, harder for our society to accept. Because they want to say, it doesn't matter what religion you believe in, it doesn't matter who, who your God is, as long as you believe in a God, that's going to be good enough. But you see, it's not. Because when there's going to be a day 
If you're a Christian, you don't have to go through that. Because you're, you're already going to have a Savior standing there and saying, I know Him. He, he gets the VIP treatment. But if you're a sinner and you've never accepted Christ and you leave this world, you've got only one chance. Your name's in the book of life. And we all know, if you hadn't made that decision by the time that you leave this earth, it's too late. I don't care how many times you came to church and sat in that pew. I don't care how many people you've helped, how many charities you've given to, how much money you've given. It's not going to be enough. Because it tells us there's only one way. I encourage you today, if you haven't made that decision, don't wait. Don't wait until uh, you're called home. Because then it's too late. And you may think, well, I'm not going to do it today. Because, you know, today is just not right. It's not a good time. Today's the only day you've got. You're not promised tomorrow. You're not promised to make it home today. If you haven't made that decision, there's no other time than now than that decision needs to be made. I encourage you, before you leave here today, that you make that decision. You know, if you're like me and you've gone through a time in your life where you thought serving God was just sitting in a pew listening to someone preach and the preacher is doing all the outreach, but... That's not what God calls us to do either. He says, go. Go and make disciples. He wasn't just talking to His apostles there. He's speaking to all of us. We all have to take up our cross daily. If you haven't, if you haven't been really doing what God's called you to do in your life, examine your relationship. Get that right. Don't leave here without it changed. Because until you actually surrender to God, you can't experience the love and the blessings He has in store for you. And He wants us to prosper. He told us that. I'm honored to speak to you today. I hope that some of what I've told you today will touch your heart and let you know that God loves you because He loves me. But until we're able to receive that love, until we say, God, take me and use me, there's so many blessings we're missing out on. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You for this day. I thank You for Your blessings that You pour out on us. Lord, that You just love us so much that You give us Your mercy and Your grace. Lord, I pray today that You would touch hearts here to let them know that You love them, that You want good for them, but it's up to them to make that decision. Lord, it's up to them to surrender their will to Your life. Surrender their life to Your will. And Lord, allow You to prosper them. 
go from here today, Lord, as we go into the next week, that it won't be just a regular week, Lord, that we will look for the opportunities that You give us, that we will seek out those times that we can share with others and not let that day come when we meet You. Lord, we can throw our crowns at Your feet because we have done Your will in our lives, Lord. I just pray for each one here today. I ask that You protect them and keep them safe as they travel home today, Lord. And that you continue just to watch over us, lead, guide, and direct us as you see fit. We love you. We thank you again. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.